0: This
1: podcast was recorded Thursday, December 1st at 10:30 a.m. Things may have changed by the time you hear it.
0: Yeah, like we'll change the Ohio Constitution to require Michigan has to beat Ohio State by 60% in order to claim victory in the
1: game. That would pass in a landslide. It, it would pass. <laughs> Let's talk politics. <laughs> This is Snollygoster, WOSU Public Media's weekly look at Ohio politics and all those Snollygosters or shrewd politicians who like to change the rules when they lose or even just fear losing. I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson. Something as serious as amending our Constitution should really demand the kind of consensus necessary to get to 60%.
0: That's Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose, who was pushing to change the rules for changing Ohio's Constitution.
1: Yep, he and fellow supporter, State Representative Brian Stewart, call it the Ohio Constitution Protection Amendment.
0: Here's how it would work. Supporters of a new amendment to the Ohio Constitution would still have to collect hundreds of thousands of signatures to get a question on the ballot, or the legislature would have to vote by a 60% margin to put a question on the ballot. But once the question is on the ballot, here's the change. Voters would have to approve that question by a margin of at least 60%. Right now, amendments pass with a
1: simple majority vote, 50% plus one. LaRose and supporters claim the move will make it harder for so-called out-of-state special interests to spend millions of dollars in order to change the Ohio constitution Critics, though, note that the move comes right after the Dobbs decision removed protections for abortion rights. And several states, even some conservative states, have recently voted in referendums to protect abortion rights. With a possible abortion question looming in Ohio, critics say abortion opponents are trying to make it harder to pass.
0: Other states have done this with their constitutions. One is Florida. In 2006, Florida did what Ohio is trying to do. It went to voters to ask them to amend the constitution so it would take 60% to change it. That measure passed, ironically, by
1: only 57%. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> joining us to discuss the changes in Florida and what Ohio might learn from the Sunshine State is political scientist Susan McManus, longtime political science professor at the University of South Florida. Thank you for joining Snollygoster.
2: Oh, my pleasure. You all have a great name for yourselves. Oh,
1: thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, So what were the circumstances that prompted the the change in Florida to move the threshold up to 60 percent?
2: Well, before we get to that, I have to explain that we have five different ways that we can put amendments on the ballot. Okay, And uh, citizen petitions is just one of them. But what was happening is that suddenly people were calling. Florida, sort of california light. We were loading up the ballot with multiple constitutional amendment proposals, and some of them seemed to be so singularly focused and irrelevant that it made it a little bit easier for the issue to be put before the public to raise the threshold for passage of the amendment. And so for years, Florida had a reputation of whatever went on there would pass, but that was changing. And sort of the argument used at the beginning, which was uh, we only need really serious things going in the Constitution. We had one about something about uh, boxing in pigs in a pen or something of that nature. Uh, and that that was the argument that was used. And as you said, it passed by 57% at the time. The threshold was 50% plus one, and now it's 60 so right after that was passed, the sixty percent, we had a reduction in the number of proposals that went on the ballot, which frankly are pretty evenly split sometimes between those put on the legis- by the legislature and those put on by citizen petition.
0: So was there was there no right now there's this political undercurrent, as we mentioned, with the Dobbs decision looming and a vote coming at some point we expect here in Ohio. We're not quite sure when, perhaps as early as twenty twenty four. Was there any kind of looming referendum out there that prompted lawmakers and voters to change it?
2: It was some. It was the the pure number. Uh, you know, Floridians were just bombarded. We have long ballots anyway, and, yeah. and adding sometimes there was almost double digit number of amendments going before the public. It was a sheer magnitude, and there were a couple of them, as I mentioned, that were so uh, narrowly focused that some people were able to make the argument, look, we only need really serious changes to be put. So you were getting like Alabama.
0: You were getting like Alabama. Alabama has changed its constitution almost a thousand times (laughs) since 1901 when it was put into effect. 977 times to be exact.
2: Yeah, so anyway. It's a living um, document. Yes. (laughs) And for years we had a a reputation in Florida of of agreeing to everything. Uh And actually this last, time we only had three on our ballot this year and they were all put there by the legislature and none of them passed it florida was just kind of in a no mood for those kind of things um one and and a couple of them were tax related things which usually florida voters will pass any tax exemption property tax but it didn't pass so there really isn't any kind of rational or um clear pattern as to how the 60% has affected the passage rates, but we have seen the argument again articulated in your opener that the cost of getting enough petitions signed is so large because Florida is a huge state and we have the requirement that it has to have its 8%, the signature is 8% of the votes cast in the previous presidential election and it has to be in a number of congressional districts so and we have a, a law against uh, paying people to collect signatures so it's an expensive venture uh, to begin with and then of course anything in Florida that goes statewide that relies on television you're talking about three million dollars a week to keep up one ad in all ten media markets and so the expense of it has, I think limited somewhat a petition signed by the voters. However, we have an active one right now to legalize marijuana, which is close to getting enough signatures.
1: even without the the sixty percent threshold, you know, tamping down the number of amendments that pass, are, are there fewer amendments on the ballot now? Has this had a chilling effect, you know, f- further upstream where people are just saying, what why bother if the threshold is now sixty percent?'
2: Uh, I think you've seen some of that, but, see, that was part of the reason why people voted for it. We were just bombarded with a large number of mm-hmm. the proposals. And, of course, it's the usual problem you have with amendments is they're worded such that many voters get frustrated. We have a lot of roll-off. Uh, as an analyst, I've got more you know, comments and questions from people I didn't know just phoning up the university and saying, I want to talk to that political woman, and it was almost... about the amendments or the 1% about the judicial races, which are nonpartisan and confusing. So the confusion factor was another reason feeding into people's just, we got to get this under control.
0: In hindsight, it's been now several years. Do Floridians think this was a good move to make it just a little bit harder to get amendments passed?
2: We Occasional comments about it, um, mostly through editorials of newspapers, but there's been not a lot of, I'd say, really uh, high visibility for the issue. However, one of the ones that that narrowly failed this time out got almost 60%, but failed, which was to get rid of the required uh, every 20 years the, the constitutional revision commission, which can put anything on the ballot. So that came close to to passing, but it still failed.
1: You know, a, a purist would argue that the 50% threshold and, and dozens of, of things on the ballot is really just dire- direct democracy at work. This is, um, you know, it might be harder for voters, right? It might be a heavier lift to go in there and cast a ballot, but it's it's more direct democracy.
2: Yes, and you hear that argument quite a bit, and that's also one of the reasons why some people, the the simple majority, uh, some are... Already starting to fight the idea of rank choice voting. Uh, they see it as counter to that in some ways. So uh, you do hear that, and um, we shall see. I, it, we have also put amendments that passed an amendment, and then two years later, uh, rejected the amendment. We had one on high speed rail that was passed, and then people found out how much it costs. Went back on the ballot and was rejected.
0: That was when it was just the, just the fifty percent margin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that goes that that goes to my next question: is direct democracy is great, but shouldn't it be kind of hard to change the constitution? You look at how hard it is to change the U.S. Constitution. We need a two-thirds vote of both the U.S. House and the Senate. Then it has to be ratified by three-quarters of the country's state legislature. That ain't gonna happen anytime soon in this in this climate. So that's kind of the extreme on how hard it is to change the Constitution. The Constitution Mm -hmm. is your foundation. It should be more of a guiding document. So in some states, like Florida used to be, or Ohio right now, Alabama, as we mentioned earlier, is it too easy to change the Constitution?
2: Well, it's certainly, there are numerous ways to change it in our state, as I mentioned, five different ways to put an amendment on the ballot, but the same requirement, once you, the proposal, once you have to ratify it, that's where the 60% kicks in. And uh, there are obviously people who say, this is great, we had way too much, it was cluttering up the Constitution, we elect legislators to make these laws, and. Uh, and of course, the the uh, their opponents would say yes, but you're supposed to make them, but you don't address topics that are interesting and you know important to us, various groups. This is just one of those debates that's been in poli sci textbooks for as long as I've been looking at them. This <laughs> Since they wrote the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly yes. <laughs> it's always been
1: one of my. I, like I said before we went on air. I worked in Florida for two years, and this has always been one of my favorite stories about. Just sort of political nonsense about how the thre- raising the threshold to sixty percent passed at fifty seven percent. It's just comical.
2: Oh, and that does come out. That came out again, of course. And when people hear that, that's one of the things they do recall absolutely. Is there
0: um, is there a move in Florida to protect abortion rights or to ban abortions through the constitution?
2: Well, of course we've already. Yes, there is, and there's talk of uh, possibly, um, you know, having a drive to. Collect enough signatures with the Republican legislature uh, having super majorities in each house that's not likely to go, um, you know, to repeal what we have which is the 15 week requirement. You can get an abortion up to 15 weeks and then other things kick in.
0: Yeah, we we have super majorities here in Ohio as well with Republicans in control and those margins will get even wider come uh, January when the new lawmakers, uh, when the new session begins.
2: Well, you know, Ohio, Florida, two big states, two critical states in national politics, and obviously everybody looks at what we do and what you do <laughs> doesn't matter what it is
1: we are in the spotlight a lot that's for sure susan mcmanus longtime political scientist at the university of south florida joining us to talk about florida's decision to raise the threshold for constitutional amendments to pass to 60 percent. ohio considering doing the same susan mcmanus thanks again for joining snolly well
2: i loved it y'all take care we'll be right back you're listening to a double public media podcast Everything you hear is funded by listeners like you. Become a member of WOSU Public Media today and support digital content like Snollygoster and the All Sides with Ann Fisher podcast. Make a gift at WOSU.org.
1: Welcome back to Snollygoster from WOSU Public Media. Time now for our Snollygoster of the Week segment where we honor the shrewdest politician or political move of the week. And this week it goes to... President Joe Biden, remember back in the summer, he reached a deal with railroad workers that prevented that nationwide strike. Remember that, Mike?
0: Oh, yeah. That strike would have hurt the economy right before the
1: midterm elections, which would not have helped Democrats. Probably would not have. So shrewdly, the union and Democrats pushed the members ratification votes until after the election. And guess what? Members are now not happy with the agreement, and they're rejecting it, threatening a strike just before Christmas.
0: Of course, Biden and Congress are moving to force the unions to take the deal, which would avert a nationwide rail strike. But it was pretty
1: shrewd to put this drama off so it occurred after the midterm election. So to the pro-union Joe Biden for telling the union to take it. You are Snollygoster of the Week for both the timing and for, for telling the union, ah, this is it. Yeah, take
0: it or leave it, dude.
1: <laughs> anyway, that will do it for uh, this edition of Snollygoster. If you have a suggestion for next week's Snollygoster of the Week, you can send it to us at snollygoster at WOSU.org. And also, please, as always, give us a good review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Until next week, for our student producer, Katie Genius, our audio producer, Eric French, and our digital producer, Michael DeBonis, I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson for Stanley Goster from WOSU Public Media.